Hey everybody, welcome to Grow Up, where we are healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It's time to grow up. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. My name is Amy and I am the host. And I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Um, just to recap, I'm just a regular mom, human, friend, daughter, sister, wife, all those things, um, just like everybody else, no fancy titles or anything like that. I'm just on here to talk about the way that we can level up through our experiences with raising little ones, through our experiences in the world and through connection and just looking inward and trying to grow up alongside those that we are raising. So welcome to the podcast if it's your first time. Last episode, I would like to say was a super fun one. I guess, you know, that's, I might be a little bit biased, but I did a fun kind of off the cuff episode with my husband, Tom. Um, It was on New Year's Eve. We had plans to go out And because of the raging pandemic, we changed our plans, decided to get some carry out and stay in. And I was able to twist his arm to do a podcast with me. And you all helped me out by writing in some awesome questions. And we just kind of went for it. And it's funny because I knew that I had mentioned it to him before, like, what if you came on the podcast and this and that? And He always seemed opposed, but I didn't realize until I was actually asking him to do an episode with me um, how kind of strongly opposed he was to being on. I just, he really doesn't like to hear his own voice in recording. And fun fact about him is he actually has a film degree and he went to, you know, media school and quickly learned that he was better behind the camera um, because he just didn't like being, you know, out and about in the forefront with his voice or being on camera. And it just made me laugh because I just see him so differently than he sees himself. So, but I guess that's the case with all of us. But yeah, so I actually had to twist a little bit harder than I thought I was going to have to, but eventually he came around and I'm sure the margaritas helped and we did a quick little question and answer podcast for you all. And when I say quick, I mean, it wasn't quick at all. (laughs) I kept coercing him by saying, oh, come on, it'll just be like a little extra bonus episode. And an hour later, we were still going. So yeah, I thought it was pretty, pretty fun. So you got a kind of candid look into my relationship with my husband. And yeah, he's pretty awesome. I know a couple of you reached out about, you know, him with his, you know, words like spices and him doing the shit out of stuff. And I'm glad that you got as much of a kick out of it as I did. So maybe that'll be a a little bit of an installment that we can make happen again sometime because I thought it was pretty fun. So glad to hear your feedback on that. This episode is one that I actually wasn't really planning on recording. I just kind of felt compelled to get on here and um, talk. So sometimes that happens with me where, you know, I just kind of feel inspired and go for it. So it just so happened to be my husband's turn for bedtime tonight, and I decided to come downstairs and get on here to record an episode. So I'll give you a little backstory to my inspiration. Um... Lately, well, not I guess not super lately. It's been going on for a while, probably since my son turned four, which was back in August. Um, it, he's been struggling with sleep, and we've all kind of been struggling with sleep because of it. And as you can imagine, 
that's a huge trigger because, you know, who likes to be a zombie? And especially when, like, he wasn't um, a great sleeper, you know, when he was really little. Um, He wasn't one of those, like, you know, unicorn miracle babies that, like, magically just, like, sleeps through the night. And congratulations if you are the lucky parent of those children because it must be nice. But my son was not that way. So um, he pretty much only would nap if he was sleeping on a human body, <laughs> myself, my husband, or usually my mom. Um, and that was how we got him down for naps. And then he'd stay there because transitioning him to a crib or wherever um, just didn't seem to work. So he contact napped for, you know, pretty much the majority of his naps until he turned three, dropped his naps. Um, and then bedtime actually became a little bit easier, um, I think, because he was a little bit tired from not napping during the day. And it's just funny because having a child that just kind of goes against everyone's, you know, usual concept of how kids are, everyone always seems to think because he's so, so active and so intense throughout the day that he must just crash. And it's a little bit, um, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to say undermining, but it just, yeah, I've always, when someone says that, it just feels like, wow, people really just don't understand, you know, the kind of kid that we have because his brain is just so intense. His brain is on a hundred all day, all day, every day. And that also goes for sleep. So the issue that we've been having is just him getting to turn his brain off. And then since August, he's woken up at least once a night um, since August. There's maybe been one possibly two I can really only remember one but that just seems so unlikely um that he actually slept through the night and up until that point he had been sleeping through the night probably since he was at least two years old so we're talking about maybe two years of um good sleep or you know night sleep I guess sometimes he would go to bed later because of his napping situation because he wouldn't be tired till later but he at least would sleep through the night. And then all of a sudden he turns four and bam, he's back to, you know, waking up at least once a night. He wants to come into our room, um, which we live in uh, a place in Michigan where the houses are, you know, we have four bedrooms, but they're not huge is where I'm going with this. So we have a queen size bed because that's pretty much what fits inside of our bedroom. And um, he wanted to come in our bed and that was actually the first time, you know, as a baby, he wouldn't sleep in our bed. He just, he didn't want to be in there. He loved his crib. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a new thing for us. And then no one was sleeping cause you know, we were all contorted and, you know, we'd be falling off the bed and no covers and this and that. I'm sure all of you can relate, you know, at some point with children And, um, so finally we took his old crib mattress, which he loved and we put it at the base of our bed and pretty much every night he's been coming in and, you know, making himself comfortable on the crib mattress. And I feel bad because he's on the floor, but that was kind of our compromise because I didn't want to, um, not empathize with his, his sleep struggles, but I also need my sleep to be the best version of myself and my husband too. So we kind of compromised on, you can come into our room if that's where you need to be safe, but you know, you have to sleep on the floor. So we make it cozy. We give him a couple blankets and, you know, sometimes, some nights he tries to sneak up into our bed and we have to lovingly bring him back to his little spot. But, you know, overall we felt like it was a decent compromise, except that, you know, still, we're waking up or he's waking up and um it turns out that he just has a very active brain and it's kind of translated furthermore into having nightmares and night terrors 
Um, I'm someone who also struggled with night terrors growing up. Um, I have a pretty wild imagination. I have to be really careful about the things that I watch, you know, on TV. And um, I'm a very sensitive person, a highly sensitive person. And I recognize those same traits in my son, which is sometimes a little bit confusing, I think, to people because he is so active that usually I know for myself, I mistakenly think of sensitive people as being like wallflowers or you know, really touchy in terms of crying a lot or, you know, constantly showing big emotions um, in the way of feeling scared or timid or, you know, bothered by feelings and not necessarily emotional feelings, but, you know, the feel of things, textures, foods, things like that. And in fact, my son, who's highly spirited and a sensory seeker, who is the kid that's, you know, screaming and riding his bike naked through the house literally every night, um, is also the person that feels really deeply. And the way that occupational therapy therapists have explained it to me is that, you know, his little sensors are out in the world all the time because he's so sensitive. He's picking up on everything. And so the input is just constant. And he feels it so deeply that the input that he gets all day, every day is very, very intense. And so that he has to meet that input with equal or greater output. So he kind of has to really go to the nth degree to release that kind of energy that he's soaking up all day, which made a lot of sense to me. So I say this because we've been struggling with nightmares. And it's kind of a hard thing because, again, just like anything in parenting, it's like you're trying to be sympathetic and empathetic to your child, but it's also at your own expense. You know, I'm, I love sleep more than pretty much anything. Um, lucky for my son, I love him more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, not kidding about the love, but, you know, I don't mean it like a threat. Of course, I love him more. But, yeah, I just, it's a lot. It's, and in, I remember, like, almost with, you know, uh, a little tinge of trauma thinking back to like our, our newborn stage, you know, just not sleeping and waking up every two or three hours. And he just was an ornery baby and maybe colicky. He just had reflux and he was hard to soothe. And so it's just like such a reminder of like, oh my gosh, like not this again. And it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole. So last night I was in his bedroom doing bedtime because it was my turn last night. And Basically, you know, we try to get him in bed. It used to be 8 o'clock, then it was like 8.15. And now, I mean, to be honest, we're lucky if he's asleep by like 9.45, 10 o'clock. Um, not because we're not trying to get him down at 8, but just because it literally takes that long. So um, we've been noticing resistance leading up to bedtime. And I think what I've kind of concluded is that he's just kind of afraid to sleep. He's getting anxiety about it. A lot of times once he's in his bed, he's asking, like, am I going to have nightmares tonight? You can just tell that he's just struggling to kind of wind down and be at peace before he falls asleep, which, of course, breaks my heart. And I'm trying to age appropriately, you know, explain nightmares and it's just a whole thing. So I'm in there last night. We do our books. He's up in his he's like a little loft bed. He's up in his little loft. And um, he listens to an app called Mashi on my phone or my husband's phone, whoever's doing bedtime that night. And that person will also lay in there, not in his bed, but just on the floor. 
and he'll peek up every, you know, so often to make sure we're in there while he falls asleep. And then he falls asleep to these, you know, sleep stories, these child's or children's sleep stories on Mashi. They're designed to help children kind of relax and fall asleep. They have calming music in the background. It's kind of like a scientific little wave pattern to make them kind of drift off. And he'll listen to those on a good night. He's asleep, you know, halfway through the first one. On a bad night, he'll take, you know, up to two of them, which could be 30 minutes a piece um, just to get him to go down while one of us is laying in there with him. Honestly, some nights I fall asleep on the floor (laughs) before he's out. But um, so last night was one of those nights where he was just kind of a little bit restless and he needed two of these stories. Well, toward the end of the second story, he you know, sits up and he's like, you know, mom, am I going to have a nightmare tonight? And, you know, yet again, as I have, you know, for months, I kind of reassured him, like, I'm not sure, because I think it's important that if we don't know the answer, I think it's important that we tell our children that. I don't think, you know, me saying, no, you're not, just to get him to calm down and then have him fall asleep and have one. I just... I personally don't wouldn't wouldn't want that done to me. Um, I don't like when people just give me lip service and tell me things that I want to hear. So I like to be honest with my son at at all costs. So for me, you know, I I try to be as honest and empathetic as possible. And I just said, you know, honey, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to have a nightmare tonight. Um, and I said, remember, nightmares are just kind of like bad bad movies or scary movies, and they're in your head and you can turn them off anytime, you know, you can turn the channel and then you can go back to bed. So if you're having a nightmare, you can wake up, you can turn the channel and you can go back to bed and you don't have to see that, that movie anymore. And then he kept the conversation going. And at that point I decided to get up and kind of walk across the room and stand next to his bedside, which I don't always do, but I could tell this that, you know, last night he wasn't just, taking that and going to bed. He was needing a conversation. Um, So I went by his bedside and he asked me, are nightmares real? And when he asked me that, my thought was no, because, you know, they're in your head. So I, I was thinking real as in the 3D sense. And so I said, no, no, they're not real. And he said, yes, they are. They're real in my, in my head. And I thought, wow, you know, he totally just called me out. And I said, you're right. They are they are real in your head. I'm sorry. You know, I was thinking of it a different way, but you're right. It's a very real thing that happens inside your head, but they're just thoughts and thoughts can be changed and they're not going to be able to, to come alive and they're not living and they can't hurt you and they can't get to you. And mommy and daddy are here with you and we will protect you. And I was just trying to give him the honest truth, hear what he said, repeat it back to him so he knew I was hearing him, validating him, and then trying to lovingly guide him through it. Um, My son is not someone who is appeased by just kind of flip answers. Um, He definitely thinks well beyond his years and deeply, and he doesn't forget a thing I mean, literally, we were asking him the other day what his first memory was that he has, you know, as young as he could think back. And he recalled his Sesame Street themed cake from his first birthday party. 
So when I say he doesn't forget anything, I truly mean he doesn't forget anything. So um, I have to be very careful a lot of the time what I say and how I say it, which is a lot of pressure, you know. But of course, there's always the circle back when I mess up and I and I do that often or I try to. So anyway, so we're talking about nightmares and I, you know, validate that for him. And then he says, and I found this to be just so, so insightful, so profound, and just so helpful for me um, in hearing him and listening to him explain it. And he said, the nightmares are sad and cold, and they're living in their home, which is my brain. And they're knocking on the door trying to get out because they want to come out where it's warm and happy. Like what? I mean, first of all, I think my heart broke a little bit because that just sounds so like treacherous to be in your head as a four-year-old who's confused about like what's going on and nightmares and all this. But also like how perfectly eloquent and verbalized just to the point where I was like oh wow like that's what it feels like to you it's like that feeling and I think about like fear you know fear does feel sad and cold and and kind of like spooky and you know all those things like that's what fear feels like in our body and he's picturing like out into the 3d world as like happy and warm and and they're trying to get out And so that's why he's thinking of them. It just was so just, I don't know, epic. And so I responded with, you know, okay, you know, what if we, he just seemed worried about it. So I I switched it to, well, why don't we try to think about, you know, happier things before we fall asleep? Because usually what you're thinking about when you fall asleep can sometimes help your dreams, you know? And I tried to explain that to him in ways that he could understand. And I said, you know, why don't we try to fill the house up with happy thoughts? And he kind of, he kind of sat there for a minute. And, you know, in those moments, I'm like, what am I even doing? What am I even saying? Am I saying the right thing? Is this going to click? Am I helping the situation? And he said, I'm going to open up the door and, and let the happiness and the happy thoughts in. So they fill up the whole house, which remember he said the house is his brain, so that when the the nightmares come knocking on the door, they'll open it up and they'll see there's no room in the house anymore because it's filled with happy thoughts. And I don't know why this it just hit me. It just really hit me. And I think I'm super visual, as I've explained a thousand times to you all, and there's so many things about his brain that I connect with. Um, in learning about his sensory needs, I feel like I probably was that kid also. Um, I'm absolutely a very highly empathic and sensitive person, as is he. The way that his brain works and the the intensity of it and the way that he learns and restores memories and feelings and I just I just feel like I watch him like retain things and observe things and I can like see his gears turning and I think oh my gosh that's so me and when I heard him saying that I just felt for him but also was so proud 
of the way that he was able to like convey it. It almost like makes me emotional. Like I can't even really put it into words. Um, and it was in a way as I, as I looked back on it, not in the moment, but I was thinking like, I felt proud that he knows it's safe to express those feelings to his parents that he's able to get them kind of out and have a way that his brain can look at it, like with the house and, you know, the cold and sad and the happy and warm. And and it made so much sense. And I was just so proud. And I was thinking to myself, I was also that kid. And I'm not, this is no shame to anyone that helped raise me. But it was so cool to see, you know, a child that's been paid attention to, nurtured in the way that he feels like seen enough to share that and not just deal with it alone, that he hasn't felt shut down and shunned, that it's like, it's bedtime, go to bed. I don't want to hear about it. It's just a nightmare. Get over it. You know, all those things that like, listen, I mean, I've been sleep deprived since August which in the grand scheme isn't much, but sleep is precious. And there's so many times that I feel like that, you know, that book, go the fuck to sleep like that, like, just like, Oh my God, can you please just shut your eyes and just, I'm done. Especially with him being such such an intense child. By the end of the day, we are just so done. It's like, Oh my God, like no more. I need you to go to bed. And it was like this payoff of he feels supported. He feels heard. And I'm able to empathize and hear his side. And I'm so glad that he has grown up in a house where feelings are okay and they're shared and we respect him and we respect his needs, even when we don't understand his needs. Like, why the hell do you need to wake up every night and come into our room? You're fine. Go back to bed. You've been sleeping in your room for two years. What's going on? That's how we feel inside. But we listen to his behavior as a as a cue that something is up. We don't really understand it. We don't know, but something is up. And to see it kind of pay off and to hear him verbalize, you know, his feelings and the way that he's interpreting them with the words that he chose and the feelings that he conveyed. I just it just was such an interesting and sad, but also pride filled situation um, it was just so insightful. And so I was recapping all of this later with a good friend of mine who actually happens to be my cousin by marriage and she lives out of, um, state and we've become really close just through text messaging and social media. And we were just sharing, you know, about my day and about that situation. And she was listening and she was so wonderful. She's a new mom. Also, her son is, is also a Leo. So I feel like we kind of have this uh, camaraderie for intense children. And it just was so fascinating, even just sharing it with her and, and kind of recapping the day. And I was saying how yesterday, in particular, before bedtime, we just had such a connected day. And if I'm being honest, that hasn't happened in a really long time, you know, just because of the stress of the pandemic and this and going back to school and his stress behavior before bed and not getting enough sleep. And we've all just been really burnt out for a very long time, as I'm sure so many parents in this pandemic can can relate to. And 
yesterday was just different. And my my husband and I had said like mid went midway through the day that we felt like he had gone through some kind of like mental leap, and he just was had such like good motor planning and was being so communicative and was just being silly and lighthearted all day and was like flowing through transitions and you know had been doing some independent play or even just engaging us in play that was like really fun and and like a big elaborate scheme that made sense and we all kind of were just like very harmonious I felt like every everyone got their needs met all day not just him or not just me and a lot of times that's that weird balance that we've been struggling with, especially through the pandemic, meeting his needs, which are so many throughout the day, or, you know, meeting my needs a lot of times for my like sanity and peace and mental health. And a lot of times that was at the expense of a lot of screen time for my son or depending on babysitting or me leaving the house to get a break. And of course, the guilt that follows with that, even though I don't agree that we should feel guilty about that. But that's just kind of where we've been at. And so yesterday was just such a balanced day. And it was so cool to see him so dialed in and us connecting so much and then to have that big breakthrough at night. And I was telling her how it's just so nice. I mean, especially for me personally, I like things kind of like buttoned up, you know, perfectly wrapped in a, in a bow on top saying like, here's how I feel, mom, and like handing it to me so I can kind of know whether where I stand And a lot of things with my son is like gray. It's like, did that even work? Does he even hear me? Is this even what we should be doing? He's just such a different kid and he kind of defies a lot of traditional parenting advice. And um, as I'm sure a lot of neurodivergent kids do. But it, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of feel like you're winning. Because everything just kind of feels like, I don't know, I'm just going to wing it. Let's go with this today. Nothing seems to be consistent with him. Like one day something's great, one day it's not. And yesterday that conversation at his bedside just felt so like I could finally see in and see the positives that, that came from it. And just the understanding that I was given He's not the kid that you can say, like, how do you feel about that? And he'll say, I feel sad or I feel mad. Like, he doesn't really open up that directly. And we always have to find a way in. And it's never, you know, when you're doing it, you're like, is this even, like, working? Is he even hearing me? And just having that conversation about his emotions last night and hearing him out and kind of walking him through it just felt like such a win even in such a sad scenario as nightmares. And I just wanted to get on and kind of like share that, that I don't know. I mean, I know we're all beat. I know we're exhausted, especially those of us with children five and under that can't be vaccinated. And now with the new variant and like shit's just popping off again. I feel like we're back at square one. We're all exhausted. And I guess it's just to say that what we do is important. The way we show up for our children is important it's paying off and we don't always see it and it doesn't always feel like the way we want to receive it or see it. But then there's those like little glimmers of hope and those little days like yesterday that just feel connected and everything's right in the world and you see the work you're putting in and you see the good that it's doing and you're like, you know what? This is important to us and I can see it paying off. And I just kind of want to get on to share that to say like, don't give up. 
try to find those little flashes of silver linings right now, especially, and just hold on to them. I was cleaning his bedroom, you know, just tidying it up while he was in the bathtub last night. And my husband was in there with him. And I was like down on the floor scooping up magnetiles and dinosaurs and all the things. And as I got closer to the door, I could hear down the hallway them laughing. And my son was just belly laughing. I mean, really like the the sweetest sound. And I just stopped and I actually laid on the floor and stuck my head out of the door into the hallway and actually recorded the wall just so I could get the sound on my video. And it was just like laying there and hearing him belly laugh and hearing my husband and him just being silly and connecting. And after such like a a good day and I just had that like warm, fuzzy feeling that I just haven't felt in so long because I've been so tired and so depleted and... I ju- it just felt good. And so I'm just saying, look for those little things to carry you through, especially right now when everything just feels like it's going to shit, when we just feel like we can't take any more. You know, for those of us with little ones in the pandemic, especially those like little ones that were born into the pandemic and they haven't, you know, gotten this any sense of normalcy whatsoever. And you're feeling like, you know, are they going to grow up like this and just never knowing what we pictured for them, the fantasy we had in our head. I see you, I hear it, I get it. Um, you know, we've kept my son home for a week and a half now, even past the two-week break we had for the holidays just because of the numbers in Michigan. And it's just hard. We're all making sacrifices and I see you. But just try to latch on and just trust yourself and trust your child that everyone's getting what they need. And I hope in the way that my son showed me, even through that negative scenario with the nightmares, that... He knows that we're going to be there for him. He knows that feelings matter and that we listen to him. And he feels supported to tell us those things. And for us to feel like we really see our child, even when we don't really get it, even when we don't really know why he's behaving the way he is, we take the time to try to be there for him in all of his feelings. And just seeing all that play out just felt like such a win. So one more thing, and we kind of a quick-ish episode. I usually only aim for 30 minutes and end up going like double that. So maybe tonight I won't go as crazy. Something that that same cousin sent to me, um, it was actually a post on Instagram that she tagged me in, and it was by um, at Raised Good, and they're a great account too if you want to give them a follow. But it actually was a quote from a book. Um, The book is called The Awakened Family. I haven't read it, but after reading this, I'm like, maybe I should. (laughs) And it's written by um, Dr. Shafali. I hope I'm saying that right. And here's the quote. And she sent this to me, and oh my God, if it is not so profound and so perfect and exactly my life with my son and kind of just recapping the whole thing that I just explained to you all. It goes, may you be blessed with a child who defies you so you learn to release control with one who doesn't listen so you learn to tune in with one who loves to procrastinate so you learn the beauty of stillness with one who forgets things so you learn to let go of attachments with one who is extra sensitive, so you learn to be grounded. With one who is inattentive, so you learn to be focused. 
with one who dares to rebel so you learn to think outside the box, with one who feels afraid so you learn to trust the universe. May you be blessed with a child who teaches you that it is never about them and all about you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I can't, it's like, I just want to keep reading it over and over until it like soaks into my bones. I just love it so much. Um, That quote is just the staple of this podcast. It's the staple of how I found this passion. It's how I felt since bringing my wild child into this world. It's a purpose greater than just who he is. I've realized from an early age, he's not the conventional kid. He's calling me to something greater. Do I always feel like I want to be greater? Hell no. Absolutely not. I'm like, wait, can I just like get a minute? Can I just like make a coffee before I literally like jump through the gates of hell this morning? But I don't mean it. I was actually saying this to to our cousin last night. I mean, he's such a gift. He's my greatest teacher. It's, you know, even the thing with the nightmares, even all of that. It's like I would not even have as good of an understanding of myself and who I am with my sensory needs and my nightmares and my brain and my anxiety if I didn't have him. I wouldn't have to research it. I wouldn't have to think about it. I wouldn't have to level up to support somebody with it. But who better better to lead that child, my son, on his journey than a parent that has walked in those footsteps and maybe could have been supported a little bit better or knows how I wish I was supported or has tools of how to support myself and therefore I can show him how to show up best for himself. The gift of the child that's off the beaten path so you can learn how to navigate that path it's a gift it's kind of like what I said on one of my stories I posted just recently everything in life is changeable and everything brought into your life can be seen as a challenge to make you rise to the occasion and that is I think what our children are called to do When you feel that resistance in you of like, why aren't you just this way? Why can't this just be easy? Can we flip it? Can we say, you know, what is this teaching me? And realize that maybe that's the point. That our children are here to find those spots where we need that growth and hit that button and make you level up. Because we all love our children so unconditionally that we don't know another way. We have to meet their needs because we love them so dearly. But in order to meet their needs, we have to show up as somebody better than ourselves in this moment. And it challenges us to keep doing the work and keep growing. So flip back, I don't know, a minute, listen to it again, let it soak into your bones. If you are raising that child, the one that's the rebel, the one that's, you know, resisting everything and you're exhausted, I hear you. Take time for yourself. Do what you got to do. But just try to also find those slivers of gratitude and those happy moments and dial in and hear them and meet them where they are and then turn that mirror in on yourself and realize that you're doing it and you're growing up with them and you are 
rising to new heights and meeting new versions of yourself that you didn't even know were coming. It's so incredible. I'm going to leave it at that. If this resonated with any of you, please reach out. You can shoot me a DM at grow.up.ig on Instagram, or of course, shoot me an email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. I can't wait to talk to you all again soon. Until then, just keep doing the work. You're doing great. Bye-bye.